Welcome to the Venari podcast. I'm Joe Knight. I lead the commercial function within the life sciences and healthcare practice at Venari Partners. I'm joined today by Mohamed Issa, SVP Immunology at Janssen. Mohamed is an experienced commercial leader. He previously led the neuroscience franchise at Janssen and has extensive oncology experience too. His career started at Pfizer, and during this time, he also founded, grew, and then sold Noor Pharmaceuticals, a global consumer product company. Hi, Mohamed. Welcome to the Minari Podcast. Joe, good to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to have you here. So I'd like to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your career, what you've done, and uh, where you are at the moment. I, I started my career right out of pharmacy school on the commercial side of the industry. I started in sales and marketing and then progressed into leadership of both of those functions over time and then spanned across uh, global marketing and business development roles uh, throughout that journey as well. The early part of my career uh, was a very short stint at Roche and then, like you mentioned, at Pfizer uh, across several specialty therapeutic areas. And then really the culmination of all of those roles gave me the chance to do what you just described and that starting uh, my own company. Uh, with one other founder at the time called Noor Pharmaceuticals. The company uh, evolved several times from inception to eventually being a leading CPG company. And then we had the chance to obviously lead that organization from inception to eventually a successful exit. Uh, and and you know, certainly that experience has been one of the most formidable parts of my career journey, as you would suspect. And as we were fundraising to start that company, I, I, I shared with my leaders at Pfizer at the time the venture and the idea and my intent to stay on board and do both. Uh, I was in business development at the time at Pfizer, so it got a little sensitive as you would surmise, and there was some discomfort in the company providing uh, the needed documentation to give our investors security and their ownership of NOR. So I decided to leave Pfizer to start the company and ironically received a call from J&J to join J&J uh, and lead uh, or help lead our, our, our first ever uh, launch uh, to cure hepatitis C, which was a tremendous opportunity. And they were open to providing whatever documentation was required to start newer pharmaceuticals at the time. So for some time, I did both. And then about five years in, I stepped down as the CEO of Noor and, and moved into a chairman-like role on the board. And then I've been at J&J ever since. And for the past 11 years since I've been at J&J, I've had the fortune to lead uh, commercial teams across multiple therapeutic areas and even sectors, including medtech, for a short foray there, with the last four roles being more multifunctional uh, general management type roles that uh, you just described. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about NOR and how that's influenced your career and, and where you are today. You founded it while you were still at Pfizer. Um, how do you think that experience working for and building a smaller company shaped you into the exec you are today? Starting a company builds I think both a mindset and a skill set. So maybe let me start with mindsets first, because I think that's really important. You know, from a mindset perspective, I think the risk tolerance required to invest your own money, take on debt, pitch institutional investors to write you a check is a natural takeaway. So there's certainly a, a kind of a risk tolerance kind of mindset that comes out of that. Additionally, I think there's a sense of you know, resilience and tenacity that's built over time when leading a small organization, especially when it's your own. As a startup founder, you're always on this emotional roller coaster that's never ending. There are days where you're confident, you're, you know, you're doing the right thing and you did the right thing. And then days where you go home and believe you're a failure and days where you naturally have to manage a crisis that if not managed the right way, can literally close your doors for good. So there's a certain 
kind of fight that you have to build over time. And I think that always stays with you. And then finally, I think related to this notion of resilience, I think from a mindset perspective, you need to be almost a pathological optimist. Things are always happening the way they should. And things will always naturally work out. That's a, you know, that's the mindset that you have to have in order to kind of get through some of that. So from a skill set perspective, I think there's there's a few things as well, right? I think the first one is I think having a generalist mentality. You know, during the early days of the company, I was literally serving as a marketing director at J and J by day and a CEO by night, leading the end-to-end operations, right? So that enterprise mindset, I think, enabled me to be even a, a more effective functional leader earlier in career. I think another important skill, Joe, is that you you know you almost kind of have to um, be a much more resourceful type of leader, you know, versus a big pharma organization. Just to give you a, a small vignette, we pitched investors for something north of thirty million dollars to start the company, and we ended up with six. And we ended up doing with six million dollars exactly what we thought we would do with thirty, and maybe even more. So there's a resourcefulness that I think comes from that experience. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I think one of the more important things that comes from the startup environment, which I think is the leadership capability, uh, arguably the most important. You know, in, in a startup experience, uh, you're forced as a founder to create and communicate a really compelling vision. You need to create a purpose and a culture where people come with you on that roller coaster ride that I mentioned earlier, uh, just as importantly as, 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 as them finding fulfillment in it. And then once they're with you, I think the the nature of the business is very intimate. So you build lifelong relationships uh, and, 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 and you have this constant focus on team and culture because you feel like it's 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 you that they came with. And because of that, you have to make sure that you create and care for those people. So I think it's it's really those three things. I think there's a mindset that 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 you build from these entrepreneurial experiences. I think there are some skills that you build, but then I think there's this leadership um, uh, philosophy and 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 and, and almost um, a capability that that you naturally have to build, and then hopefully that stays with you over the course of your career. Yeah, indeed. And let's stick on that leadership point. Um, I want to understand how you think about leadership and hiring. How do you go about building and motivating your teams? And in addition, the second question, how do you think about succession planning? I think you're hitting on what's arguably the most important job for a leader, which is to build the strongest possible team and then create a culture that enables them, what I like to say, to achieve what they ought versus what they thought. And, you know, recruiting, developing and retaining championship caliber talent is absolutely paramount. At times, as a leader, you're looking for a specialist in an area. Other times you're looking for a generalist. The hiring philosophy is one that really starts by diagnosing what it is you need and what part of the puzzle you're looking to put in place. And I think that's where succession planning comes into play. You know, we're fortunate at J&J to have a world-class HR organization and partner with folks like yourself and, you know, thinking about succession plan. And, and, and that enables those discussions to really happen from a strategic you know, point of view. The culture piece is one that I think we can have a whole separate podcast on. Uh, right. And as you mentioned, because it, it's the combination of talent and culture that gets teams to operate at their very best. And I've come to believe, Joe, that the best teams operate when there are five core, core pillars mm-hmm. at the heart of the operation. And for me, the first one is purpose. You know, teams need to know why they exist and believe in the higher order value they're creating. Second, I think teams need to have clarity. And, and I think for those who I've had uh, 
the fortune of working with will tell you I'm pretty obsessive about this notion of clarity, you know, clarity and vision, clarity and strategy, and, and, and really everything in between. Because without clarity, I think comes a lot of disdain in an organization culture. Once organizations have purpose, and once they have clarity, you then need to give people autonomy. They need to have agency in their work. They need to have the freedom to operate, uh, to meet and exceed their objectives. And, and with autonomy comes responsibility. You know, there's a sense of responsibility because your work doesn't just matter to you as an individual, but it matters to the broader organization, the person to your left and the person to your right. And then lastly, organizations need to generously reward, you know, amazing performance and, and, and reward teams and individuals when expectations are exceeded. So I think if those five things are embedded into the DNA of the organization and the culture of the organization, uh, I, I think you start to put together a pretty powerhouse organization. You've obviously got this really strong commercial mindset and, you know, through your career, you can track that that commercial piece. I think the most important part in commercialization is is often around launches and that's the biggest inflection point. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. You, you've obviously launched products multiple times throughout your career. What does your preparation look like ahead of a launch? You know, I think it's important to just also underscore that I think launching products today is different than the past. Uh, and will continue to evolve as the commercial landscape continues to you know change with us, right? Typically, launch teams never have enough time. If you ask any launch team what they want, hey, I wish we had another year to prepare for the launch, right? And it's usually never that luxury given organizational resources and other things. So I try to motivate my teams on having systems to ensure all base launch processes are met while also categorically focusing on the most critical priorities to make a launch successful, right? And those things are like the target product profile, making sure that uh, all, all stakeholders internally are aligned to that. Uh, health authority negotiations and making sure that the product, you know, package insert and labeling comes in consistent with what the expectations are. The overall value proposition relative to the problems we're solving and the unmet need we're filling in the marketplace needs to be extraordinarily clear. Look, the last thing I'd say, which is, you know, this is different in big pharma, maybe versus small versus, you know, the startup experience. You know, you have to set appropriate internal expectations uh, because your internal forecast and expectations becomes king, right? Based on, and it drives a lot of the investment decisions and a lot, it drives a lot of the, the, the energy that, that, that follows a product once it comes into market. So, those are just some of the things to consider, I think, when thinking about bringing new products to market in, in this ever-evolving landscape that we're in. I think I'd like to finish by asking you to look back on your own career um, and reflect a little bit. What decisions do you think you made early on helped you get where you are today? You know, I I, I heard this, uh, I think it was like a Steve Jobs like, um, commencement speech or something like that that says something like, the dots always connect best in retrospect versus prospect, right? And it's one of those things where like looking back at things, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But when I was in the moment, I, I don't know if I can tell you I was making it with as much uh, conscious decision. Uh, but I do think that there was a point pretty early in my career where I made a pretty big, let's call it bet or, or decision that has been most formidable. You know, I, I decided at the time I wanted to be a general business leader instead of a specialist business leader. Mm -hmm. I, I, I felt even with a pharmacy background and people maybe motivating me a little bit more towards medical affairs or things like that, uh, that uh, I can I can bring more value uh, when I combine my passion for science and my passion for business 
to make a bigger difference as a generalist. And then from there, I studied what it would take to do that successfully. I started to build my career around critical competencies to gain versus titles and roles and jobs to get. I, I started to think about the breadth of experience that becomes really important when thinking about a general manager mentality. And I've, and I've focused my energy in order to acquire them. I thought about roles outside of the traditional sales and marketing functions because I didn't just want to be a sales and marketing leader. I wanted, to, again, to be a broader healthcare leader, which is really what led to some of the decisions around taking on responsibility in medtech and starting a healthcare CPG company, not just focused on pharmaceuticals. And then in, 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 in all in an effort to really broaden that healthcare leader mentality. And I think that decision really, Joe, allowed me to work across uh, uh, even therapeutic areas. And, you know, I, I didn't just want to work in oncology or immunology or neuroscience. I really started to think about the broader landscape so I can understand the different business models, understand the different buying processes, understand the different patient journeys, understand the different incentive structures within these micro systems within our broader healthcare ecosystem. Uh, and, and, and really understanding things from launches to mid-life cycle products to growing mature businesses to even shutting down businesses. It was that one decision that allowed for all of those things to then trickle down. And I think without that, I probably would have been a little bit more zigzagging versus purposeful about the competencies and the experiences that I was looking to gain. So if I had to leave maybe anyone with anything, if someone is watching and thinking about, hey, how do, how do I kind of pick the path? I'd say uh, when thinking about career planning, decide if you want to be a specialist or a generalist, and then from there, create a competency roadmap, not a job roadmap, not a title roadmap, not even an experience roadmap, but almost a competency roadmap to help you be successful once you're on that generalist or in that generalist seat. And then that'll put you on a path to think about then what are all of the experiences and all of the roles that you might want to pursue in order to get there. So. I, I think in retrospect, that's probably one of the more important decisions I made. Brilliant. Mohammed, that was awesome. Thanks so much for joining the Minari podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm an avid watcher and I'm humbled to be with you. Thank you for the invite. You know, really excited about not only this episode, but more importantly, your future guests as well. I've always had a chance to learn a lot from you and uh, their discussions. And I hope this was helpful for some of the audience members as well. Very much so. Thank you so much, Mohammed.